Let's pray. Father, I love you. I thank you for today. Thank you for uh, just being good to us, Lord. I thank you for loving us and uh, giving us your word, uh, calling us out of uh, a dark and sinful world to uh, live a life of purpose, uh, a life that does glorify you. And uh, Lord, I do pray that we are giving you the honor and the glory from everything that uh, that we do. Uh, it's easy for us to try to steal the glory, to try to uh, take a little bit for ourselves and, and, and want uh, people to see us. But Lord, I pray we're wanting people to see you. Uh, Lord, it's been a few weeks since I got to teach. I'm, I'm excited to kind of uh, be back in the saddle and uh, just uh, get back at it. Um, Lord, I do pray that you would just uh, speak to us today out of 1 Corinthians chapter 11 as we get back into this and uh, that you would bring back to remembrance the things that we've already talked about so we don't have to do too much review here and that you would uh, just really speak to us clearly on some things that uh, sometimes people get all muddied up uh, in the Word of God. So, uh, Lord, I thank you for Chris and Mitch teaching him while I was out and uh, just the things happen and even when I'm not here, this, this class, this church, nothing relies on just any one person. And so, uh, Lord, it's encouraging to see the body of Christ move forward uh, even when when we're out. So I'll pray you just speak to us today. Uh, pray this all in Christ's name. Amen. Okay, so if you've got your Bibles, open up to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. That's where we're at. And if you'll remember... I don't have too much time to do a review or we're going to be pushing this thing off another week. And I don't really want to do that if we can keep from it. So um, several weeks ago, before we had the Lord's Supper, I actually taught the second part of this chapter first, which is the passage on the Lord's Supper, why we do it, all those things. And then I circled back around and uh, we got into this passage at the beginning of 1 Corinthians chapter 11, uh, basically verses 1 to uh, 16 on... What I called, uh, I think we titled it Hot Topic, or I titled it Hot Topic, but it was four highly disputed topics in the church, and we kind of hit through these topics, and so I think we've made it through two of them, is that right? Maybe three? I don't remember. At least two, I know, uh, and I'm going to try to wrap this thing up today if we can, but... Uh, you know, the book of First Corinthians is, I don't really have time to review all that, but, uh, just to kind of talk about what we've talked about so far. So there's kind of four topics that we, uh, get into, and there, obviously there's more than four, but there's four that are addressed here that are kind of maybe disputed topics in the church, things that uh, kind of ruffle people's feathers a little bit, and there's really no reason for it, but it's just people don't like what the Word of God says sometimes, and then they get kind of all offended by it, and that's what happens. But anyway, the first one of these was the topic of following a man instead of following God. And in First Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, it says, Be followers of me, and I, uh, even... As I also am of Christ, uh, now I praise you, brethren, that you remember me in all things and keep the ordinances uh, as I delivered them unto you. And so the first one of these is, you know, people always say, well, I don't want to follow a man. I don't want to follow a... I mean, that's fine. Uh, but, I mean, the pattern in the Bible is pretty clear. Uh, follow me as I follow Christ. You know, what did God tell the nation of Israel to do? Follow Moses out of Egypt. What did uh, all throughout the entire Old Testament? Uh, follow this guy as I tell him what to, as, as he leads you, right? What do we do in the New Testament church? We follow uh, a pastor, uh, not that we just do whatever he says, uh, you know, blindly, but we we find somebody who uh, God is giving the word of God to and we, we get on board with it. That's why we have a vision conference that we're getting ready to have. It's because this is the vision uh, that Brian has given the church. Right, and so we're going to get on board with it. We're going to we're going to grab a hold of it. And we're going to run with it this year. That's why we, that's why we do what we do, right? And we want to be a part of what's going on not only here but around the world. So that's why we've got not only church planners but we've got missionaries, you know, all kinds of things going on. But you know, it, Jesus had twelve disciples to do what? To follow him, right? And so that's it's it's good to find somebody to follow. Just make sure that they're following Christ. And if they're not following Christ, make sure you're willing to jump off the, hey, I'm following you, right? Because don't follow somebody off into the ditch 
Because that's what happens. People fall. You know, so make sure you are following. Paul says, follow me as I, even as I follow Christ. That means if I quit, then you need to quit following me, right? And follow Jesus. And so go back and listen to that. I don't have time to, to reteach all that. So that was the first one. Okay. So verses three to seven, this is the second topic that people kind of get their feathers ruffled about is topic of the authority structure given by God. Nobody likes authority and nobody likes being told what to do. And so people have an issue with this. And so verses three to seven says, but I would have, you know, that the head of every man is Christ and the head of the woman is the man and the head of Christ is God. Every man praying or prophesying have his head covered, dishonoreth his head. But every woman that prayeth or prophesying with her head uncovered, dishonoreth her head. Uh, for uh, it is even as uh, if she were shaven. Uh, for if the woman be not covered, let her also be shorn. Uh, but if it be, uh, but if it be a shame for a woman to be shorn or shaven, let her be covered. For a man, uh, indeed, ought not to cover his head in so much as he is the image and glory of God. But the woman is the glory of the man. And so we spent a week and a half talking about this whole thing so i don't want to reteach the whole thing but man it is it is just a structure that god has given and there's nothing uh really offensive here there's nothing that you should uh be mad about uh it says do this because this it's not like this was uh anybody's idea other than god's idea right there's a there's a structure in place and so if you want to go back and listen to the whole thing when it talks about uh having the head covered and the whole covering thing uh the covering thing uh was basically um it's like a headship or a leadership. Somebody you're following is a protection type of thing. And so God does this thing for a reason. Go back and listen to uh, those weeks. I don't want to. I don't have time to reteach all that because I really want to get to what we're talking about today. So, um, trying to figure out where I want to get to here. I did say this, in almost 15 years of following Christ, I will tell you that one of the biggest things that I personally have learned is that God is really serious about authority structure, going through the chain of command, uh, doing things his way. Um, most people don't like the structure, but you know what? Just because you don't like it doesn't make it false, right? Just because you don't believe uh, that it's raining outside uh, doesn't mean that when you go outside and it's raining, you're going to get wet, right? It's just part of it. And so you don't have to like it for it to be true. Um, it is what it is. This is uh, this is how the Word of God says it. So, um, yeah, go back and listen to all that. I don't, I don't want to get into that. So here's where we're at. Verse 8. So we're going to slow down, and I don't think we got this far, so this is where we're going to get. The third topic uh, that kind of ruffles people's feathers when we talk about uh, in the church is the topic of one sex uh, being more important to God than the other. And so uh, a lot of people think that in the church uh, it is uh, uh, very uh, oppressive to women and that uh, only guys can do certain things. And, you know, it, that's not the case at all. So let's get into this. So uh, verse 8, because it's very clear if you slow down and you actually read what the Word of God is saying, uh, what, God, what Paul is trying to say here uh, as we get into this. So verse 8, for the man is not of the woman, but the woman of the man. Neither was the man created for the woman, but the woman for the man. For this cause ought the woman to have power on her head because of the angels. Nevertheless, neither is the man without the woman, neither woman without the man in the Lord. For as the woman is of the man, even is the man also by the woman, but all things of God. Okay, so for first off, it's like Dr. Seuss all over again. It's like, what is he trying to say? You read it and it's like, I don't know what that says, but uh, I feel like I should be offended by it. Right? That's what a lot of people, uh, they, they read through this and they're like, I don't really know exactly what that says, but it basically says that uh, men are more important than women, and so I, I don't like it. 
That's not what it says at all, right? And so uh, you you have to be careful, slow down, take your time, see exactly what he's trying to say. Uh, and actually, if you slow down and read what it's trying to say, which I'm getting ready to show you, it actually says the opposite of what you think it says. You think it says that uh, that, that men are more important than ladies are in the church and that uh, basically you can't have any kind of, you know, if it wasn't for the man, I wouldn't even be around, right? That's, that's not the case at all. It actually says the opposite if you take your time and go through it. So that's what we're going to talk about here. So for whatever reason, there's this belief by some in the church that if you're not a man, then you're some sort of a second-class citizen and that God cannot use you. Well, obviously that's false because if you just look around, uh, God is using uh, the ladies around here all the time uh, for everything. And so just be careful. Uh, you know, there are very few things uh, in the Bible that it says uh, a woman should not do. I was actually reading an article uh, that one of the pastors sent to us uh, here just recently. That one of the very few things that it says that uh, a woman cannot do is, uh, is is hold the office of a pastor, right? And so uh, there's uh, a mega church in California. What do you know about that in California? That you know they're trying to buck the trend and they've ordained female pastors. Like you yeah, all do whatever you want. I'm just it says very cleanly in uh, the Book of Timothy that you know. Uh, it's the, the office of a uh, pastor is to be held by uh, a man. But other than that, I promise uh, there's really not much around here that a lady can't do uh, any of it. So anyway, let's let's get into this. You, you can do anything that you want to do. Just because you are created with different roles does not make one more important. Make sure you understand that, ladies and men. Uh, I don't know who needs to hear this more, but just because you're created with different roles doesn't make one more important. When it comes to the quote-unquote hard topics in the Bible in general, and in this uh, passage in particular, you've got to slow down and look at the individual verses and phrases, right? And so let's just do that. Let's look at this thing verse by verse, phrase by phrase, and tell me if something is false or uh, out of context, and then we can go from there. Because if you slow down and actually read what it's saying, you might start to see that that's not as offensive as I thought it was, right? And I'm probably not talking to anybody in here, but just knowing the passage that I'm teaching through, there will be people that look this up and they hear what I have to say on it. And so uh, if you're listening to this, hopefully this can uh, straighten some things out. So verse 8, what does verse 8 say? It says, for the man is not of the woman, but the woman of the man. Okay, so is this verse false? No, right? Not at all. Um is this verse degrading to ladies? I really don't see how it could be. Go back to the book of Genesis. Uh, it's a simple fact that in Genesis chapter 2, verses 21 and 22, go back and read it, I don't have time, um, that God used a rib of the man in the creation process of the woman. That is what this verse is talking about. It says, for the man is not of the woman. The woman wasn't even created when God created the man. So man could not be of the woman. But then it says, uh, but the woman of the man. It basically is just talking about the fact that God used a part of the man's body in the creation process of creating the woman. That's not offensive. Now, some of the things that people twist and add to that can be. But that in itself is not offensive, it's not degrading, it is factual. That is what happened, okay? It is a simple fact that that happened. There's nothing about this verse that should be degrading, but yet when when ladies read this, they say, oh, I'm not of the man. I'm, I'm, okay, I'm just telling you that um, that's what happened. Go back to the book of Genesis. When God was making things, when he was creating things, he didn't make things, he created them. Um, man makes things out of the things that God 
already had there. Uh, but God creates things. But anyway, there's nothing, there's nothing to be twisted about that. Okay, so verse 9. Neither was the man created for the woman, but the woman for the man. Okay, so same thing. Go back to Genesis. Why was the woman created? Because God said, it is not good that man should be alone. There was something going on that God was like, this dude ain't never going to get this figured out. right? I don't know exactly how it went down, but all I know is it says that God said, it is not good that man should be alone. Something was going on that God was like, well, this is not exactly like I kind of thought it was going to be, right? Uh, this isn't exact. not that God was caught off guard by anything, but like this didn't go uh, maybe the way we thought it might. And so anyway, uh, so is this verse false? Again, it's not false, right? Uh, it says that the man was not created for the woman. He couldn't have been because he was created before her. But the woman was created for the man. Okay, so that means that she has a distinct purpose, right? And that his purpose came before she was even created. So we'll get to what that means in a minute. Is it degrading? Well, some people think so because they don't see what Paul's really saying. They see it as, well, it says that my only role in life is to do whatever the man says. That's not what it says at all, right? If you've ever listened to, and I'm not opposed to listening to anybody's uh I don't, I don't want to call it an argument or um, viewpoint, I guess we could call it. But what really frustrates me is when somebody um, wants to share their viewpoint in such a heated and I'm right and you're wrong kind of way that it's just like, whatever, right? I'm just having a conversation and you, you want to get all mad about it. I'm just telling you what it says. Like that they want to get really frustrated because they think that what it's saying is, my only purpose in life is to, to serve the man. Well, if you're not married, you have... You, that's not your purpose at all, right? It's completely different for a single one. We'll get to what that means in a minute. But what Paul is actually saying should be empowering to ladies and could actually be seen as a slight to men instead of ladies. But he clarifies it in the end, so it all, it all works out. But if you actually slow down and read it, so break it down. What was a man created for in the beginning, right? He was, he was created to basically bring God glory. He was put in the garden to dress it and to keep it, right? And to have uh, dominion over everything in the garden. To give God glory for everything. That's what man was created for. Bring glory to God. What was the woman created for? It is not good that man should be alone. I will create and help meet for him, right? And so we'll get into that here in a minute because I think there's probably a reason that God never let me get to this point because he showed me some really cool things at the uh, the, the marriage conference uh, last weekend that, you know, you, you never you never know it all. I just taught a marriage class and God was showing me some really cool things at the marriage conference. And so anyway, uh, but the woman was created to be a helper to the man. The fact that the woman was created after the man could actually imply that man needed help. So God created a woman to do it because he wasn't getting it done on his own one way or another. I don't know. But the fact that he had to say, it is not good that man should be alone. I'm going to create and help meet for him. Right? It says he needed and help meet for him. Now, the reason, one of the coolest things that, that God showed me at, at the marriage conference was the first night, the guy kept saying, just like I, I have said it every time this morning, I will create and help meet for him. I have never in my life been saved for 15 plus years, uh, spent a few minutes in this book. Uh, I mean, I taught the marriage class not very long ago. 
Um, I've never separated the fact that help and meet are, are not always the same word. Uh, when you talk, he says, I will create and help meet for him. When you look at what that word meet means, it is like fit. Uh, it is designed for him. That's why when we take things into our own hands with like, well, I don't really want to be married to this person anymore. Or, you know, I don't really think that this person's right for me anymore. I don't really think that I should have to... Like, God specifically designed and put you together with your spouse because they were meat for you. They were fit for you. They were designed for you. So when you take things in your own hands and you're just like, well, this isn't working for me anymore. It's basically saying, God, what... What you had for me isn't working anymore. I'm going to go try what I want. Well, that's not going to be meat or fit or designed or it's not for you anymore. It is all about you and it's not for you. And so God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will create a help meet one who is fit, one who is designed, one who is created specifically for you to help meet those needs, to help do those things. She is specifically designed, created for you. So when we take things in our own hands and we're just like, I I just don't think this works anymore, right? You're basically saying, I I don't think you work anymore, God. I don't really think you're smart enough. I don't really think you're good enough. I don't really think that uh, you are equipped enough to show me the way. Well, careful there, Lone Ranger, because God's not really cool with you uh, stepping on his toes. So what, what he's saying should be empowering to the lady because she has a specific purpose. There is no question of a married woman's purpose in the world. Now, that is offensive to some people because they don't like that purpose. I'm just saying, like, that's how you were created. I don't make the rules. I just play by them. I, I didn't write the book. I just read it to you. If you don't like the author, talk to him, not me. Like, I didn't write it. I'm just telling you what it says. I don't shoot the messenger. It should be empowering. You have a specific purpose. There's a lot of times guys are like, I don't really know what my purpose is. Well, it's to bring God glory, but that's very, that could be very vague at times, right? The woman is just like, I'm going to do, I'm going to be a helper to my husband. Because at the end of the day, when I stand before Christ, that's what I'm going to be judged by. How did I do there? Right? Now, obviously, yeah. Did you get the gospel? Did you do all the other things as well? Because you can be a helper to your husband in a lot of ways. I'm gone every day at work. Pages, uh, assisting in our ministry every day throughout that, through the week when I'm gone. Now, she's taking ladies through woman to woman. She's doing all these different things. So you don't have to be together to serve together. Make sure you understand that. Uh, in, in a certain sense. So anyway, let's get back to this. So he needed a help meet for him. The truth is in a marriage context, neither can get anything done without the other. And that should be true in your marriage. Neither of you can get anything done without the other. I can't get anything done without Paige coming alongside of me, getting, you know, uh, assisting me in all the things. Like if I was to say to somebody, Hey, why don't you guys come down for discipleship? Right. And then Paige was like, I'm taking the night off. I, I would be like, I don't know what we're going to do. I guess we should order pizza and um, the conversation is going to be very awkward because if I'm not teaching, I really don't talk that much. And so uh, this is just going to be really odd, right? Whereas God knew that she was a help meet for me, right? Not only can the girl cook, I mean, I'm saying, but like in all the things that I lack, 
she steps in, right? And, and she completes all of those things. And all the things, the areas that she lacks, uh, I, I do my best to kind of fill in on those things. And that's kind of the whole point. In a marriage context, neither can get anything done without the other. It, does, it says that neither uh, was the man created for the woman with the woman uh, for the man, right? So before we move on to verse 10, what about singles? Because I know there's single people in here. And I know there's single people that are going to listen to this. And um, it's very simple. Fulfill your role within the body of Christ or within the church, right? Fulfill your role there first, right? And maybe you never get married. That's okay, right? Paul actually says over and over again, that might be uh, best for you. Um, but if you if fulfill your role within the body of Christ first, right? Who who are you specifically supposed to be ministering to in the ministry, right? Uh, different things. What ministry are you buying into? What field are you purchasing? You know, when Boaz found Ruth, she wasn't just sitting around saying, woe is me, I need a husband, right? She was in the field working because she had something to do, right? Do what you know to do until God gives you something different within the church. Family first, church, then the world, right? Make sure you're ministering there first. Family first, then the church, then the world. Too often we get really out of whack here, right? We either completely leave our family out, which if your family's lost, then they're kind of like the world, uh, then we, we get so, uh, oh, I need to focus on the lost and the lost and the lost. So the next thing you know, you're hanging out at the bar with the lost people. And like, well, that's not godly. Um, so minister in the church, make sure you are ministering to the world as well. Though. Okay, so uh, verse 10. Okay, so this verse kind of gets confusing because it, it says, For this cause, we're just talking about the man being created, uh, the man created the woman with the woman from the man. For this cause, ought the woman to have power on her head because of the angels. What is this talking about? Okay, so this phrase, uh, because the angels isn't found anywhere else, so it's kind of hard to compare scripture to scripture. But when you look at this thing, when it talks about power, uh, it's talking about her having uh, a covering or a sign, like a veil, when you look it up. So when she says have power over her head, uh, if she is a single woman, she's going to have, in the culture that they lived in, she's going to have the widow's garments or, or the, the single lady's uh, veil to let people know, right? Like a veil. In our culture, we're not wearing a veil. I mean, you can if you want to. It's whatever. Uh, but you know, there's a reason that like in the marriage ceremony, uh, there there is typically, not always, but there's typically a veil. Um, it's like a covering until you are given in marriage and you lift the veil away. It's a picture. It's like, whoa, I never knew that. It's all a picture, right? Uh, in our culture, you're not wearing a veil every day, but, but listen to this. How can the world, or I'm sorry, but can the world identify your submission to your husband or your father if you're single simply by the way you live your life? Instead of having a veil that says, I'm married, does the world know that you're married just by the way that you submit and serve your husband, Right? Just because you don't have a veil that says I'm single, does the world know that by the way that you uh, serve in the church and, you know, submit yourself to those things? This is actually harder than wearing a veil. It'd be really easy. It'd be like, yeah, see, I got the blue one on. It means that I'm single, right? Or, or whatever color. I don't know how it works. But instead, now you're called to live it out. That's what it's talking about when it talks about having power over her head. She, she has the ability. Okay, this verse 11, 12, Paul brings this whole thing together. Nevertheless, neither is the man without the woman, neither woman without the man in the Lord. For as the woman is of the man, even so the man also by the woman and all things of God. Okay, so here's where Paul brings it all together. 
He says, in the Lord. So the context here is I'm talking to people who are saved. Uh, lost people will do whatever they want anyway. So uh, there's really no reason to try to apply the spiritual truth to a lost person's life. Um, it just doesn't work, right? Uh, so he's talking about in the Lord. So we're talking about people who have uh, the spirit of Christ inside of them, okay? Again, this is why it's like really hard for people that don't understand this because it's like, you're saved, you're set apart, uh, you were bought with a price, you, you're dead to sin. Uh, Romans 12, 1 says, uh, submit your bodies a living sacrifice. You really have no power in life anymore anyway because you've submitted it all to Christ. So why are, why are you offended that uh, you're called to submit to someone? And I'm not just talking to ladies, I'm talking to men as well. Like We get all offended that, oh, I'm not going to submit to that person. If you're bought with the blood of Christ, you have... You don't have a leg to stand on anyway, other than Christ's leg. So it's like, why are you so up in arms that you're called to do this thing? Because you're called to give your body a living sacrifice in the first place, right? Uh, Be be humble. Just display the attributes of humility like Christ did and just lay it down. It doesn't matter who it is. It's it's really confusing to me. Anyway, it says, uh, verse 11 says, Nevertheless, neither is the man without the woman, neither woman without the man and the Lord. Okay, so a man, I don't want to say cannot, but probably will not be what he was created to be without the woman, especially in marriage, right? So if I'm talking to married people, I will say cannot. A woman in the marriage context cannot, and if you're single, probably will not be what she was created to be without the man. Now, Unless you are someone who is specifically called and has the gift, and I say it's a gift because it's a gift of being able to be single, right? That's what I'm talking about. So I'm not saying that you will not be what God created you to be if you're not married. That's absolutely not the truth. We see that multiple times in Scripture, that it's okay to be single. Probably better off, but it takes a gift to be able to do it, right? And so, in the context of marriage, because most of us are married or probably will be married in our life, right? There's just not a lot of people in our culture, especially, who go through life single the entire way. It just doesn't typically happen. If it is, man, praise the Lord to you. You figured it out, right? Not that being married is bad. I definitely was not created with the gift of being single. So that's that's just us. So <clears throat> they together, though, can accomplish anything. But apart, they will always struggle. They together can accomplish anything. But apart they will almost always struggle. That's what this is talking about. It's like, now we don't do this anymore because we've got tractors, you know, and combines and things like that, but uh, when they yoked up oxen, right, to actually go and do work, um, if you had one that was willing to work and one that wasn't, it just, I mean, I guess they just went in circles all day. I don't know. It, was, it must have been a really intricate design to look at as the, the crop grew. I don't know. Um, but it's like you want when you yoke up something together, you want it to be even, right, all the time. Um, it, there's, there's a lot of examples I can use. Uh, when I worked at the sand plant, we had uh, these dual hydraulic systems. This is probably nobody's going to track what I'm talking about, maybe John, uh, that on, on, uh, on the dredge. And if, like, one side started to get weak, it, it would always pull funny one way or the other. And so, like, if you do, when you put two things together, they need to be of the same mind, of the same accord, of the same power. 
And when they're separate, they're just never going to work the way that they were created to work. But man, when you put them together, there's nothing they can't do. That's what this, that's what this passage is talking about. Like ladies get offended and they think, oh, you know, men are the only person that can do anything in the church. That's not the case at all. It's actually the opposite of that. It actually says that, man, the guy wasn't getting it done for some reason or another. I'm going to create something that's going to complete this thing, that's going to make it, man, it, it's going to make it run. Like this thing's going to work now. Does it make sense? Like it should be empowering. They each are completed by the other because the, the area uh, of lack is filled by the other. When done, cor- when done correctly, the wife finds her purpose in supporting and helping her husband. And her husband sees her for what she truly is, not his doormat like some men treat her, but his queen and co-laborer. And so he treats her with respect and, and honors her by the way he ministers not only to her, but, but with her. Man, when the picture is fulfilled, it's really perfect. But when it's not fulfilled, that's where people get all out of whack. The woman, she finds her purpose in like, what can I do to help you? Not to serve you, right? You can call it whatever you want, but it's not to serve you. What can I do to make the mission that God has given you easier and more impactful, more beneficial? I promise there's nothing that he can do that you can't come along and help him do better. Nothing, right? And and so when she finds her purpose in that, her calling in that, and she says, okay, this is what I was created for, and she does that, then man, he sees her for what she's doing and how hard it is for her to submit to him because, man, a guy knows himself better than he knows anybody else. And it's like, man, if she... Then he starts to see that, man, I'm going to buy into this thing. And I'm going to treat her like she is the queen of the world because she is. And then not only does he minister to her, but he ministers with her. And man, the picture is perfect. Philippians 2, verses 3 to 4. Let me flip over there. You should know this verse, but I don't want to quote it wrong. It says, Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in loneliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man on the things of others. I mean, put that in the context of... Uh, a ministry couple, uh, a ministry marriage, and I'm, I'm saying there's nothing that, that God can't do through you both. Okay, verse 12, let's wrap this, this thing up and this, this point up. Um, for the woman is of the man. Okay, we talked about that. She's out of his rib. Okay, so the woman is of the man. Even so is the man also by the woman, but all things of Christ. This, he brings it all together right here. The whole thing just pops with this verse. The woman is of the man, yes, physically. But the man is also by the woman, yes, spiritually. The woman is of the man physically. She wouldn't be here without the rib that God used to create her. Now, does that mean that God couldn't have created her without the rib? No, I'm sure God could have. God can do anything. The fact that God chose to use the rib should like turn the light bulb on to say there's something significant here, right? But instead, we get offended by it. But, so yes, the woman is of the man physically, absolutely. But it goes on to say, this is where, and then it's really good. It says, even so is the man also by the woman. The man is who he is because of her. People look at me and they think that I'm something special because I pull out verses from the Bible and I teach and you know I, I am who I am. I am who I am because of the wife that God has given me. I am not the same person that I was when I was single, nor should I be. 
She is not who she is physically without you. And you, sir, tough guy, right? We like to be all masculine. You wouldn't be who you are without her. Man, if you wanted me to try to figure out where I would be in life without my wife, man, it, I, I can't even begin to, to form words of what that would look like. But it wouldn't be good. Okay, so like, God created this thing in such an intricate design. Any other way wouldn't work, right? But yet we get mad because we want it to work opposite. It's like, okay, you can't win for losing, right? But all I'm saying is the way God created it is is perfect. He says, neither is the man without the woman. I wouldn't be who I am. Neither should you be who you are without the woman that God has put in your life. Because he knew that she was meat for you, right? He knew that she was fit for you. And that's why he brought you together. He knew what you needed, right? A lot of times we we don't know what we're getting into with marriage, but God knows. God knows exactly what he's getting you into because he knows where you need your rough edges knocked off a little bit, right? And he knows where you need to learn how to uh, follow a little bit. God, God knows those things. And he puts you together in his divine purpose because he knows what he's doing more than you do. Right? We all grow. We all need to grow. Right? And part of that growth process is when you step into marriage, it's like, oh, there's things I never would have saw in life. Absolutely ever without my wife's perspective. There are things that, and it's, it's vice versa. There can be things that she's working through something with, with a lady. Right? It might be a woman-to-woman thing. And it's like, hey, there's this thing going on in life. And she's like, she won't give me specifics because she doesn't like, unless I just need to know. She's like, hey, I don't, I don't really know what, to do in this situation and sometimes it's just like super simple to me i'm like why not just do this and she's just like i never would have thought of that that's pretty simple right and so i'm like you're welcome right didn't even have to think hard on that one but then there's things in my life that i'm just like i just i I cannot get it figured out right and she comes along and she's just like i'm not telling you what to do but maybe we should you know what if we tried it this way i don't want to right I'm just, what if we just did? And it's, I wouldn't, I would never seen things that way. God brings you together in such a way, right? And that's what he's talking about here. But you have to be willing to grow. You have to be willing to submit one to another. Go back to Ephesians chapter five when, uh, again, ladies get offended. Before the, the offending starts for the ladies, it says, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of the Lord. It means I'm going to submit to her as much as she submits to me because it's a picture of submitting to Christ. We forget that, guys. I'm just saying we do. He is who he is. The man is who he is and can do what he can do only because God has given him her as a help meet for him. The only reason he can do it is because God specifically knew there will be times in life that this is going to be the perfect complement to that. Right? It's... it's it sounds to me like she's just as important to getting the will of God done as the man is when you actually look at it, slow down, take it verse by verse. It sounds to me that she's as important, if not more important, to the whole thing. I don't know. You tell me what you think. All right, we've got one more week of this because I didn't get done, and I've got one more topic we're going to talk about next week. It's the topic of the physical appearance leading to godliness or ungodliness, and we'll wrap this whole section up next week. So talks about long hair and all the different things and it's 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 again it's a mess i hope that cleared some things up um 
there, I, I really do feel like as I was reviewing all this this morning and going back through this stuff this week, I think there was a reason that God, like, for whatever reason, had me dragging an anchor getting through this passage because He wanted to show me some things before I taught through it. And so, uh, I hopefully it cleared some things up. Um, this really is a topic that just really throws ladies mostly off and they get bitter against their husbands, they get bitter against the church, and it's like, man, if you just see what God has created you to do and Him to do, and the fact that you can both do so much better together, that it's 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 a really cool picture. But man, too often um, we just miss it. So hopefully it cleared some things up. I, I, I pray that it's beneficial. If you got questions, let me know. Um, I'm always willing to to break things down a little more, but uh, I think that's the gist of it. So let's pray. We'll get out of here. Um, so yeah, uh, Father, I love you. Thank you for today. Thank you for your word. Uh, Lord, you're good to us, and uh, your word is, is perfect. Too often we, we read it too fast, or we don't read it at all, and we claim to know it. So I, I thank you for the uh, just the opportunity to slow down and really see um, just what you've created us to be uh, individually, and uh, more so corporately, Lord. Uh, Lord, I do, um, I just pray that um, this is clear and concise. Uh, this isn't uh, only for married people. There's so much truth in this passage for singles as well. Uh, there's so many opportunities to um, just uh, yoke up in ministry uh, with people as a single uh, and just buy into what the church is doing. So I pray that this is empowering to uh, the single folk as well and that uh, those who uh, are catching this online just really uh, can can grab a hold of this and um, just take it and run with it. Because, man, if, if we would have a church full of people that would grab a hold of this and run with it, man... Uh, it would be like uh, just uh, setting setting a fire to something that um, is a good thing, Lord. So I would pray you just uh, just pre- uh, use Pastor Brian as he preached to us this morning that you would get your uh, word uh, where it needs to go on time. And I pray this all in Christ's name. Amen. This is not verse 12. You know, verse says that for the man is of the woman, so like we're made because it's part of the man.